Let's pray. Oh God. The video clip aside, still ringing in our ears and hearts. The prayer we just prayed to you, draw me close to you. We didn't come to this place to be drawn close to somebody. We have come into this sanctuary to be drawn close to the God of the universe. You called us here. We have obeyed. Speak to us now through Holy Scripture and let it be clear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How to become an influencer. Because let's be honest, there isn't a one of us in this space right now that does not want to be an influencer. In fact, we do this secretly. We don't tell anybody about it. But every time we post on our social media platform, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, every time we post, shh, we are hoping that this post will be the one that goes viral. And overnight, we shall become world-renowned influencers. Am I the only guy that hopes that? <laughs> I'm telling you what, when you talk social media today, I mean, all social media is abuzz with this idea of influencer. You know why? Because there are people on social media that have Boku followers. That's why. In fact, I'm going to give them to you right now. The number one social media followed person on the planet right now. Do you know who that is? Oh, I'm telling you who it is. We're talking about the 36-year-old Portuguese superstar, footballer, or soccer star, Cristiano Ronaldo. Somebody clapped, so somebody knew. I'm telling you, listen to this, 516 million human beings follow him on every social platform he's on. He is number one in Instagram. He is number one in Facebook. He's number one on the planet. Influencer. Hey, but I don't want to leave the balcony out, so I'm talking to all you guys in the balcony. The number one, listen to this, the number one TikTok influencer right now is a 17-year-old teenage girl. Do you know her name? Mm-hmm. Charlie D'Amelio. She has, hold on to your pew, one, 17 years old, she has 123.2 million people who follow her. My, oh my. Unless you think that only the young get followers, I'm happy to announce that's not true. The number one, the number one Twitter influencer who has more followers than any other human being on Twitter, who is 60 years old and who has 129.9 million followers, is Barack Obama. 
So what does this word influencer mean, okay? Let's just find out. Influencer, put it on the screen right now. An influencer is someone who has the influence, the authority over or trust of a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. In marketing parlance, okay, so the, the, the head honchos in marketing, they're talking this way. An influencer is someone who causes others to make specific consumer decisions. You ever heard of the Kardashian sisters? Oh, boy. You ever heard of LeBron James? You ever heard of Aaron Rodgers? Why are they always showing up in commercials? Because they have a following. Put your money with the influencer. Wow. Are you an influencer? Have you appeared in a single commercial? Me neither. But I, but I got great news for you. Over the next few days, you and I are going to share some secrets about how to become an influencer that potentially will enable you to have more influence than any of the three names I have just mentioned. I'm going to share some secrets. And we're starting right now with secret number one. Write it down in your mind. Secret number one, you must learn how to live in the white space. You say, yo, Dwight, what's this white space stuff? Well, let me show you. In fact, did you bring a Bible? Because it will really work well if you have your Bible with you. Open your Bible. You got your uh, Bible on um, your device? That's fine. It'll work there. I want you to find the book of Genesis. Come on, everybody knows the first book of the Bible. Find the book of Genesis. I'll do the same. Genesis chapter 16. And I want you to drop down to the very last verse of Genesis 16, okay? Genesis 16. You're going to see. What in the world is this white space? Genesis 16. I'll get there. Here it is. All right, Genesis 16, verse 16. 16, verse 16, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Now, I want to tell you something. Abram was how old? How old was Abram? Hey, listen, this, this is the tail end of a sad tale. Because Sarah is unable to, con Sarai at the time is unable to conceive a baby. And she goes to her husband and she says, look, it is done in this land. I have my Egyptian slave girl named Hagar. You go to bed with her. She'll have a baby. I'll call it mine and we'll call it a done deal. Abraham says, you know what? That's not a bad idea. And he does it. That's what happens. That's what happens in Genesis 16 verse 16. Bad, bad decision. God who had been setting him up. No, 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 no. Your Abraham and Sarai, your children will be the faithful that I will establish, all, grow all over the earth. Okay, so here's your Bible. Right here is what's called white space because the next verse is Genesis 17.1. You can check it out in your Bible, Genesis 17.1. And how does it read? When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am Almighty God. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's white space, right? We'll just call this the white space. How many years from here to here? Come on, you're, you, you, do, you do numbers well. How many years? 
13 years. 13 years of humdrum everyday life during which God keeps working on their hearts, their minds, quietly, persistently. He detours His plan because of them to ready them for His calendar and His next steps in their life. This, my friends, is what's called the white space. White space means no superstar status, no superstar stuff. No grand accomplishment, no grand vision, no stage lights, you're in the dark. Just white space where life goes on. Some of you are in white space right now and you know it. White space. You may be terribly frustrated with your life. All those big dreams that you had, what has happened to them? Zero, nada, nothing. It's called the white space. And by the way, it happens over and over in Scripture. In fact, it is, it is hardly profound to conclude that with nearly every single person, I'm talking about the superheroes in the Bible's Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith chapter, there are huge, every single one of them, huge tracks of white space in their lives. How about the young slave Joseph? He wasn't born a slave. He was sold at 17 years of age by his stepbrothers, jealous as they were, sold to the Ishmaelites, Joseph. <laughs> Age of 17, he sold as a slave. He is in a box of white space for 13 years. And sometimes you get white space inside a white space. Because along the way, on trumped-up charges, by the way, he is thrown in a pit in Egypt. Potiphar's command. He's in jail. When chapter 40 ends, he's still in jail. When chapter 41 begins, he's still in jail. When two full years had passed... Pharaoh has a dream. My, oh my. Just when Joseph is absolutely convinced that those boyhood dreams that he's going to be somebody that will lead his clan, his tribe, are, have vanished, boom, Pharaoh has a dream. Because the God, the mysterious God behind the white space is setting life up. And in that two-year white space within white space... That boy is elevated to prime minister of Egypt. Now, white space. I, I, I have come to the conclusion that anybody who is a friend of God's lives with white space. Take the hero. No, take the, take, take the white space of all white space. Let's talk about Moses, the prince of Egypt. The book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 2. The, ch the chapter comes to end, speaking about Moses, with these words, Zippor, that's his wife, gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, because I'm in a land far away from where I was supposed to lead God's people. I want to show you something. From this verse here to this verse here, because here, and now Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jeth Jethro, and there is a burning bush. From here to here, guess what? That's white space. Do you know how many years are from here to here? Forty years. Forty years of white space. This boy is in Egypt with the finest universities, the hottest culture, the greatest religions on the planet. For forty years, it has filled him. And God comes along when he decides to take his own, his own leadership into his own hands and says, I'll, I'll accelerate my leadership. And he kills a guy, and it's over. It took God 40 years of white space to undo all the damage of the 40 years before. 
And when God finally comes to him, by the way, he says, you got the wrong guy. I'm not the leader. I thought I was. White space. Ah, <laughs> uh, mercies. Some of you right now, by the way, are in white space. You're a brand new student at this university. Fine university that is it is, and we're delighted to have you. We enjoyed an evening together last night. You may have been king of the hill in your high school where you graduated from. You met at your, your academy. But whatever you were before, you're not, you are at the bottom of the heap now. I'm just telling you, in case you haven't heard. And there are going to be some nights, cold, wintry nights, as only Michigan can serve up. And you're going to be sitting in that upper bunk of the dormitory bed, and you're going to be staring at that ceiling, and you're going to say, what were all my plans? What were those dreams? What was I thinking of? Why did I come here? Welcome to the white space. <laughs> Welcome to the white space of God's timing. You may be a young woman here. You are, you are a young man. You are a young professional chomping at the bits to kick that dream of yours into high gear, but it feels like you're stuck in the job that you are in. There is no vertical climbing on this job. There is nothing in this career, nothing in this town, nothing on this team. You were dreaming of earning a salary. Yes, you were. But guess what? You're still punching a time clock. Welcome to the white space of God's timing. Or you may be a mother here who has cheerfully set aside her personal ambitions as a wife and a career woman. <laughs> and now you're moving through the doldrums. Don't misunderstand me using that word, but the doldrums of runny noses and skinned up knees and children you love. But interruptions and delays are killing your dreams when right now you could be in that corporate boardroom living out your MBA like you dreamed. Welcome to the white space of God's timing. You may be a retiree in this space right now who had all oh, so many plans. Oh, you knew what you were going to do when you could get to those golden years of retirement. You scrimped. You saved. But now your body is afflicted with an affliction that nobody seems to know what to do with. And all those cruises, all that travel, all those days with the grandkids, gone. Your body's on hold now. And it's possible it will have a terminal ending. Welcome to the white space of God's timing. As I say, I'm, I'm amazed at how all the greats of Scripture, these superheroes, to a man almost, to a woman, experience oftentimes confusing, perplexing, discouraging, overwhelming white spaces of God's timing. Nothing is happening in my life. Nothing. Elijah, my superhero. Elijah. 29, I calculated it. 29-year ministry. Gets a little bit of razzle-dazzle at the end. He's gone. White space. Whoever would have thought Elijah the Tishbite. Elisha, his successor, will end up with a 54-year ministry with a few events and miracles during the beginning, followed by 43 years of silence. Nothing but white space until he dies of a disease. Adios. He's gone. John the Baptist, six months older than his cousin Jesus, 
lives in utter obscurity after his birth except for when he baptizes his Messiah cousin and the next thing he knows, he's beheaded, gone, 34, 35 years of age. Now I'm telling you what, you are not alone. So many of God's friends have lived through the white space of His timing that I am absolutely convinced that it is mandatory. You have to go through white space to survive God's call on your life. Take the greatest influencer in the history of Christianity, except for the Lord Jesus Himself. If we examine His life, He's a champion of white space. If we examine his life, he has white space in the beginning. He has white space in the middle. He has white space at the end, as we're going to find out in the days to come. Yep, we're talking about our man, Saul, Paul, the champion of white space. We know very little about his, the white space in the beginning, by the way. Let's read the words, in fact, of the, uh, video, the movie clip that we just watched. Uh, it was from Philippians 3, and if you don't mind turning now to Philippians 3, just a handful of details Paul actually autobiographically shares with us. Philippians chapter 3. Oh, you can pick up one or two others, and we will as we, we, we journey through his life together uh, this fall. But go to Philippians chapter 3, and let's pick it up in verse 4, because he's now going to give us, he's going he's to say, hey, listen, guys, this is my childhood. This is my, these are my teen years. This, this is my young adult life. This is my family tree. Okay? Let's find out. So uh, this is the second half of verse 4. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now he's going to shoot these by us. So we'll get a little bigger picture of, of this Saul guy. Circumcised on the eighth day. He was a Jewish baby a male baby, and the sign of the covenant is in his flesh. That's who I am. That little home in Tarsus, he was born into a Jewish family. Number two of the people of Israel, I want to tell you something. I'm not just any old religion. I'm not just any old denomination. I belong to the remnant. Do you understand the chosen ones of God? This is the community that will get saved and whose mission is to reach the entire world. I'm of the people of Israel. Number three, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Look at my veins. You see blue blood here? I am named after the first king of the Israelite monarchy, Saul, King Saul. That's who I am. I grew up with these stories. I was told it over and over and over again. Number four, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Number one, I want you to know something. Nobody can out-Orthodox me. Mm -mm. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. And by the way, there's a second reason why I put that there, because I am fluent in Greek. And I have lived in a culture immersed with, with the Hellenist brand and the Hellenist worldview. But I am not a Hellenist of Hellenists although he would become the most influential writer of Greek in the history of the human race. I am not a Hellenist of Hellenists. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrew. I worship the creator God of this universe. That's who I am. Number five. Within the law, I'm a Pharisee. 
And by the way, when he's under, when he's in trials, we're going to note he had multiple trials. He got in trouble. When he, in one of his trials, he cried out, I am a Pharisee of Pharisees. My daddy was a Pharisee. My granddaddy was a Pharisee. My great-grandfather was a Pharisee. I am a Pharisee. And I'm proud of it. All this is happening in the white space of his childhood, his teens. As for zeal, persecuting the church, whatever you do, don't miss next Sabbath. Don't miss it. Number seven, righteousness, based on the law, faultless. That's my story. Those are my childhood and teen years, my young adulthood. White space, that's where I lived. N.T. Wright, the great British New Testament scholar, in his magnificent biography of Paul, which I read with great benefit this summer, thanks to my Uncle Ralph, who sent me the book. Paul, a biography, that's the title of Wright's book. Uh, N.T. Wright tries to describe what we can surmise from reading between the lines of Paul's childhood. So let's put N.T. Wright on the screen here. We can safely assume, then, that Saul grew up in a cheerfully strict, observant Jewish home on the one hand, and in a polyglot, that would be multi-tongued, multicultural, multi-ethnic working environment on the other. Strict adherence to ancestral tradition did not mean living a sheltered life, unaware of how the rest of the world worked, spoke, behaved, and reasoned. While, while Saul's childhood is obviously a huge expanse of white space, of which we know almost nothing, N.T. Wright says, let me imagine what kind of a boy he was. So I'll put this on the screen too. Everything we know about him encourages us to think or conclude regarding the young Saul of Tarsus. And by the way, I stuck this in here. Do you know that Tarsus, where Saul was born and grew up, is one of the three leading centers of education in the empire? You never knew that. And I didn't either about Tarsus. Top three. He grew up in that town. Everything we know about the young Saul of Tarsus indicates that he was an unusually gifted child. Keep reading. He read Biblical Hebrew fluently. He spoke the Aramaic of the Middle East, the mother tongue of Jesus, and quite possibly Saul's mother tongue as well. And in addition to the ubiquitous, it's everywhere, Greek, which he spoke and wrote at great speed. So why notice this white space of Saul's? I'll tell you why. Because some of you in this building right now and watching on live stream at this moment, some of you were born into a Christian home, into a Seventh-day Adventist home like Saul's home, as Wright put it, a cheerfully strict, observant home, orthodox to the core. Never wish it otherwise. Never say to yourself, ah, oh, I wish my parents hadn't been so strict on me. I wish those rules I lived under hadn't been so strident. I wish I could have been like the other guys, the other girls. But oh no, never say that. You know why? Almighty God, El Shaddai, personally chose the home you were birthed into. That's why. He knows your white space like the back of his hand. He wrote the story. 
And he needs you to affirm that he's still writing. That's why. You have no idea what God is going to do in your life. You have no idea where God is going in your life. Don't you kiss him off. Don't you pass him by. He has spent all these years in your white space and you're going to walk away now. Do you understand what you are doing? This much you can know, my friend, my young friend, my new young friend. The rich heritage of belief and trust in God and Holy Scripture that you grew up with, the legacy of a Christian Adventist education provided by your parents who value the best education they could possibly give you and so they sent you here, you will never regret God's choices for your childhood or for your white space. I'll tell you this. I do not regret mine. I am who I am. And I am where I am because of the home I grew up in. Oh, sure. You could have been born like Peter. Nothing wrong with that. Peter the big fisherman who never could afford any education to speak of but happily settled into a life of blue-collar fishing whom Jesus called one day, Yo, Pete, follow me. Peter, who became the great apostle. Peter, though, could only go so far. And God took him where he went with the white space he had. And God says, we can do business together. But the same Jesus who called simple fishermen to follow him also handpicked and called a bright young man, no doubt scholars believe a little younger than Jesus himself, to follow him. A young man whose parents, talking about concern about orthodoxy and adherence to God's will, they sent, they take him out of Tarsus, they send him to Jerusalem. And he will sit at the feet of some of the brightest scholars of the time. The great Gamaliel will be his personal mentor. That is how desperate his parents were to make sure our boy is kept in the white space of our values. And Christ was able, listen carefully now, Christ was able to do with Paul what he simply could not do with Peter because of Peter's limitation with the white space that he had. Now listen, listen, hold on, hold on. This is hardly to suggest that Paul the scholar was greater than Peter the fisherman, better, better than Peter, smarter, closer to Jesus and the Father. Nonsense. Rubbish. Paul's words would be, God forbid. It's not that. But this is to suggest, listen carefully now, it is to su suggest to you students who have come to Andrews University that God is giving you in this season of your white space where you are unknown to the church and you are unknown to the world. He is giving you some precious time to shape your life into His calling for you. One day that starts right now. Don't worry about what happens after the white space. Because guess what? You'll never know when the white space is over and the destiny has begun. You'll never know. So quit looking at yourself.
Quit self-calculating. Trust. Trust Him. When you're ready, God will be ready. So in the meantime, embrace your white space. That's it. Embrace your white space. Stay in your white space. Do not get out of it. So that God can shape you into your personal destiny and your high calling in Christ Jesus. Because the good news is, I want you to take this home. The good news is, Jesus is Lord of your white space. Take it home. Brood over it. He's the one who has set you up for where you are right now. Stay with Him. No friend of His is ever assigned to spend a life in front of the stage lights. The limelight is not necessary. The limelight is not healthy. The limelight is not good. Be content to live in the white space where the Lord of your white space lives with you now. Embrace your white space. Go for all you have. Go for the gold. While you're in white space. And when he's ready for your moment, I promise you, you too will be ready. Stay in the white space. Stay in that white space. Because remember, even Jesus, our, be our beloved, our blessed Lord and Savior, lived his life, the bulk of his life, in white space. You think about Jesus. Oh, yeah, you're right. There was a little bit of drama there at the birth. His parents flee to Egypt. Yep. A few years later, they moved to Nazareth. You got that right. Somewhere along the way, they make a trip to Jerusalem. Jesus is 12. He goes. That's it. That's all we know. Thirty-plus years of white space. We know nothing. Nothing. So he knows all about white space. And by the way, don't you think he was an influencer during the time in the white space? Are you kidding? Can't you be an influencer right now? Do you have to wait till you're outside the white space? Never, never, never. You start touching lives. You start loving people the way Jesus loved people. You just love on them. You will be surprised how dramatic and influential that compassion you show turns out to be. You're going to be an influencer. You can't just sit here and wait for influencing to be dumped in your lap. You'll never get it. Ever, ever, ever. Live now. Live in your white space. Live it out. And by the way, Jesus remained in his white space until the day when he, when he heard these words from heaven. I want you to think about this. The words he hears from heaven are, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Wait a minute, time out. Hey, Father, excuse me. I don't want to be sacrilegious, but time out. How could this be your beloved son in whom you are well pleased when he hasn't done anything yet? He's been in the white space the whole time. Could it be that it is pleasing to God for you to occupy your white space until you hear the voice that says, Go, boy. Girl, now. He's pleased with your white space. If he's pleased with Jesus' white space, why wouldn't he be pleased with your white space? Wow.
dripping out of the Jordan he comes onto the pathway selected for him that will eventually drip crimson his blood as he climbs Calvary don't look for a glamorous ending just look for God's win my oh my oh my I ask you who better to entrust your life to right now to entrust your white space to right now than the Lord of your white space what do you say that's pretty weak what do you say come on white space you're in it stay in it he's in it oh I want to sing this song in the morning when I rise in the morning when I rise give me Jesus I want to sing that song but before we do it's time for you to make a decision right here and if you've got your cell phone we're ready to make decisions right now let's go put it on the screen I will I want you to text the word Paul to this number you watch what happens in a split second you'll feel the vibration. Text the word Paul to 269. That's our wonderful memorizable number. 269-281-2345. All right? Get that in your uh, speed dial. 269-281-2345. You text the word Paul, the name Paul, and in a moment you'll feel it vibrate. Now hold on, hold on. No, go ahead and text. But I want to show you what's going to come to you. Let's put the, uh, let's put the uh, connect card here. My next step today is... All right, three boxes. Box number one. I accept Jesus as Lord of my white space and I want to be an influencer for Him. Anybody here not want to be an influencer for Jesus? Put a check mark right there. See what comes. Because you'll get a response. Yes, you will. Put a check mark right there. I want to be. I'll put a check mark there. Box number two. Please send me some practical steps to deepen my walk with Jesus. You put a check mark right there and then you hit send. You will get something in return to your text number. And I hope it will bless you. For some of you, it will change your life. If you put a text, if you check box number two. There's one more box. I would like to follow Jesus and be baptized. I can't think of a better way to begin a new year here at Andrews University. Maybe your first year. You're not baptized yet. That's okay. You just put a, che you put a check mark there on box number three. We'll get the word. We'll be in touch with you electronically. And we'll explore, okay, what can we do to help you with that decision? You've never been baptized? Come on. What are you waiting for? Next year? Do it this year. Your life is ready. The Lord of your white space is ready for your decision today. Just put a check mark there. It'll come to you. You just, you see what comes to you. And then you decide.